Family Law Podcast. Research is clear. Divorce does not hurt kids. Conflict between parents hurts kids, sometimes seriously and permanently. One of, if not the biggest, arena for conflict for separated parents is the courthouse. The adversarial system that our courts use to get to truth and decides cases by its very nature does not facilitate cooperation between parties who must go there because there is little or nothing on which they can agree. In some cases, the strong powers of the court are absolutely necessary to control unreasonable, irrational, or destructive behavior by one or both parents. However, for the vast majority of separated parents, there are alternatives to court to resolve issues over child custody, access, and other parenting issues. Those alternatives can decrease or eliminate conflict around the children and resolve matters better than a judgment imposed by the court. They are also much less costly than going to court which is often the most financially and emotional draining way to resolve an issue. One thing that many separated parents fail to appreciate is that judges have training as lawyers. They are not required to have, and most judges do not have, special training in parenting, social work, or child psychology. Judges know the law and legal principles, one of which is that their decision on any sort of parenting issue must be based on the best interests of the child. Very few of the judges have formal training on the social work or psychological principles that guide what parenting or child custody regime is best for a particular child. In many cases, judges hearing custody cases do not even have any background in family law. The judge hearing a child custody case may come from a background in commercial law or real estate and have just finished hearing a lengthy criminal matter the day before. In only some jurisdictions in Ontario are separated parents before designated family court judges. But even in those courts, parents can still get a judge who has 20 other matters to be heard that day. This means that in court, what parenting terms a judge will impose is often dependent on how skillfully the lawyer presents the facts and the law. What a judge finds in the child's best interest can be heavily influenced by how good a lawyer each parent hires. Even then, judges have many cases to decide and have relatively little time to get to know each family or each child to figure out the specifics of which order would work best. When it comes to specific details in day-to-day schedules, it is nearly impossible for judges to decide the details with any confidence that the court order that they are making makes the most sense for the particular kids before them. Parents who can put the needs of their children first will find that there are many alternatives to working out the parenting arrangements after separation, even when they cannot agree on what those parenting arrangements should be. There are many parenting professionals who are able to help work through those issues, and there are a variety of different ways they can assist. While in most cases the parenting professionals charge for their time, those charges are almost always less than the cost associated with pursuing matters in court. Parents, who are at least on speaking terms at the time of separation, may find it helpful to book an appointment with a social worker or child psychologist who practices in the area of separation and divorce to get some information about what sort of parenting arrangements work best after separation. With that information, many parents find it that they can sit down and work out a parenting plan for their children that works for them and more importantly, for their children. A good parenting professional or a good family lawyer will be able to provide an outline of all the topics that should be covered in the parenting plan so that parents and children have some certainty in their lives and little or nothing 
to cause conflict with in the future. Armed with the knowledge of all those topics they need to cover, parents can often come up with the arrangements and deal with the logistics of their life in the way that makes the most sense for the children and the parents. Those arrangements are often very different from what works out for another family. Parents know their children best and can make the best plan and arrangements for their children. When necessary, the parents can then hire a lawyer to put their plan into a separation agreement or a court order to give legal effect to their agreement. Why don't you have your lawyer call my lawyer? Where parents are, were having more difficulty agreeing on issues, there are still ways to keep their matters out of court. Initially, this can be through parenting mediation or parenting mediation arbitration, and later through parenting coordination. I will explain what each of those terms means. When parents do not already have a parenting plan together, they can go to parenting mediation. The purpose of parenting mediation is to put together a comprehensive parenting plan. Often parents use a social worker or child psychologist or an experienced family lawyer to assist them with developing that parenting plan. In parenting mediation, the parenting professional does not impose any terms of the plan, but rather facilitates a discussion of the issues, provides some professional opinion as to the children's needs and how those needs change at each stage of development, and guides the creation of a parenting plan that encompasses all aspects of parenting after separation. They assist the parents with agreeing on who will make the decisions with regard to the children and when, what the parenting schedule looks like, what happens with regards to special needs, school activities, travel, and many other specific topics that are unique for each family. In many, if not most, circumstances, that assistance is sufficient to get the parents to agree on a comprehensive parenting plan. Where parents agree, that plan is often what works best for them and their children and avoids exploiting the children to conflict over the most important aspects of the children's lives. Where parents feel that they are not likely to agree, they can give their mediator the power to arbitrate issues. When parents sign an arbitration agreement, their arbitrator, who can be the same person as the mediator, can impose terms to parenting plans even when the parents do not agree. Hopefully the parents have picked the mediator they like and trust to represent their family values. In addition, during the mediation phase, although the arbitrator cannot use anything that was done or said at the mediation as a basis for an arbitration decision, the arbitrator does get a feeling for the family and what sort of parenting arrangements will, will work best for that particular family. In addition, parents can use an arbitration process that is far less adversarial and more cooperative in assisting the arbitrator in reaching a decision. That can also result in the children being exposed to far less conflict than in court. <laughs> parenting coordination is a service that some parents use when they are already have a parenting plan. Parenting coordinators help separate parents implement and enforce a parenting agreement they already have. The job is not to change the parenting plan, which is the main difference between the parenting coordination and the parenting mediation model. Parenting coordinators usually have both the mediator and arbitrator powers to resolve disputes in relation to the parenting plan. They can use those powers to fill in gaps in the plan, address situations that were not contemplated by the parenting plan, or to enforce the provisions of the parenting plan. The goal is to provide a forum in which separated parents can quickly and easily resolve differences of opinion over parenting issues where the answer is not explicitly set out in the parenting plan. In this way, children can avoid multiple and very adversarial and sometimes expensive returns to court to resolve relatively minor issues. That can keep the conflict down for the kids. However, for very high conflict parents, parenting coordination provides an easy forum so that they can have repeated and escalating conflicts. So parenting coordination is not appropriate in every circumstance. Whether it's a good idea in your case is something to talk to a good family lawyer about. Another process that separate parents frequently use in court, but they can also use out of court, is the custody access assessment. 
In these assessments, the assessor, who is usually a child psychologist or social worker, does a full assessment of the, of the needs of the children and the ability of both parents to meet those needs. The assessor then recommends the terms for a parenting plan. Usually the assessment and the recommendations are very comprehensive. While the re recommendations are not binding on the parents, those recommendations are very persuasive to judges and arbitrators, who are quite likely to accept them and incorporate them into an order or arbitration award. With that said, the recommendations are not binding on the judge or arbitrator and are actually only one piece of evidence that the judge or arbitrator must consider. If the rest of the evidence suggests that the assessor got it wrong, or if one of the parents successfully challenges the validity of the recommendations, the judge or arbitrator can do something completely different from what is in the recommendations of the assessor. However, if an assessor is thorough and careful and uses accepted assessment techniques, it is unlikely that the assessor's recommendations will fail when challenged. Keep in mind that good custody access assessments can be very expensive and often start at a cost of about $10,000. Even that amount is less than the parties would each pay for a day of trial. Custody access trials usually go on for several days, if not weeks. A less expensive option is a type of partial assessment called a voice of the child report. In a voice of the child report, the assessor conducts a professional interview of the child to determine the child's views and wishes and whether those views and wishes are those of the child or have been imposed on the child by one or both parents. <laughs> Children often have a hard time truthfully explaining their views or preferences to parents because they do not want to hurt their parents' feelings. They often find it easier to express those views and preferences to a professional, especially a professional who is trained in interviewing children, and especially ones who are trained in interviewing children for the purposes of determining the child's views and preferences in the context of separation or divorce. While the child's views and preferences are only one factor that a judge must consider, amongst many others when determining what a parenting plan is in the child's best interest, and those views and preferences are certainly not binding on a judge, they certainly can be very persuasive to parents and really help parents settle their case after they give what their child wants some consideration. Oh. Since the scope of these reports is much narrower than a full custody access assessment, they are also much less expensive and much faster to complete. Another professional who can help after separation and divorce is the Office of the Children's Lawyer in Ontario. However, the Office of the Children's Lawyer is only available to assess children and the court when there are court proceedings in process. The Office of the Children's Lawyer either appoints a lawyer to represent the child's views and preferences to the court or conducts a clinical investigation to assist the court in determining what is in the child's best interest. A clinical investigation can be very similar to a custody access assessment. However, as the Office of the Children's Lawyer is publicly funded and its resources are limited, a clinical investigation is rarely as thorough or as in-depth as a full custody access assessment. After working with the children for a while, the Office of the Children's Lawyer holds a disclosure meeting to reveal either the position it will put before the court, the lawyers appointed, or the findings of the clinical investigator. Again, parents often find it very helpful to get that feedback as they try to decide how to settle their case. Even though the Office of the Children's Lawyer is only available when parents are in court, it can often help parents then settle their matter out of court before trial. There is no charge to parents for using the Office of the Children's Lawyer, but the agency only gets involved if both the judge requests their assistance and the agency itself feels that the case is one that it is willing to accept. Parents can also hire a lawyer for their children, but unless it is both parents hiring the lawyer, from a judge's perspective, it looks very much like a parent is just hiring another lawyer to help with that parent's case and is also manipulating the child which is generally viewed as very bad parenting. Oh. Children, of course, can hire their own lawyer if they can find the resources and a lawyer willing to represent them. However, it really has to be the child seeking out and hiring the lawyer 
on their own without the assistance of a parent or the lawyer to have any credibility in court. A lawyer who does not have some credibility with both parents and the court will not help parents settle their issues short of trial and will only fan the flames of conflict, making things worse for the children. Why don't you have your lawyer call my lawyer? There are a number of professionals who can help parents resolve custody and access or parenting issues outside of court and spare their children exposure to very harmful conflicts. Generally, the more those professionals can help the parents find their own solutions or at least tailor the solution to the needs of the specific children and family, the better those results will be. They are almost always better than the decisions imposed by judges who limited ability to explore the full needs of the family and have no ability to interact with the parents directly in the way necessary to figure out the specifics of a parenting plan. All separated parents should seriously consider finding a parenting professional to help them and their children work out the issues related to those children after separation. This is the Ontario Family Law Podcast. My name is John Schumann.